0: and welcome into a patriots beat after dark edition it is 10 p.m on the east coast right now and for full disclosure i have a wedding this weekend so we had to tape this at an obscure time but we are excited to talk Patriots, Panthers with you folks tonight. Pretty good night for Boston sports so far, Alex. Two blowout wins for the Bruins and the Celtics, and the Jets are down three touchdowns to the Colts. Although for playoff seating, I'm not sure if that's a good thing for the Patriots. Maybe We we
1: all lost as football fans. If Mike White's going to miss time, the legend Mike White, we all lost not getting to watch him.
0: Yeah, Mike White is injured for the Jets now. Two quarterbacks down. Josh Johnson is in the game for New York, but we're going to talk about the Patriots here. We're going to talk about some news. We can say that rumors, whatever you want to call it, off at the top of the show here. And I know that there's going to be a lot of people in the chat and in the comment section asking us about Deshaun Jackson. Alex, he was released officially by the rams he has cleared waivers he is now a free agent set to sign uh free to sign with any team that he so chooses so first and foremost i guess the main question is is do you like the idea of deshaun jackson coming here and being a new england patriot and where do you fall on d jax
1: yeah i i mean i'm obviously into it i'm not getting my hopes up i don't necessarily think they'll do it you know you you say this to me all the time they've had a million chances to acquire this guy and they've never done it so yeah i and he he is kind of redundant to nelson aguilar he's probably better but i think they would see him as redundant so i look if they did it i'd be happy i don't know where they get the money to do it but he or actually no cuz the Rams are still on the hook for his contract right it's one well, of those well really he's a the free minimum. agent so his
0: contract is now the Patriots are going to have to pay his entire salary if they do sign him because, But the point
1: is he's already getting paid by the yes. by the Rams so well,
0: he had any I would have to go look and see if he got any guaranteed money I'm sure he did get some guaranteed money in that deal so yeah technically speaking he's already been paid for the season in a way yeah,
1: yeah i just I, I you know i i don't think it's going to happen as much as i want to see it as much as i'd be all for it i think they have nelson Aguilar in that role i think they like him in that role right now and you know they already have one receiver Nikhil harry who they can't really get on the field and i just don't think they would see it as having a spot for him i,
0: I think it's definitely the redundancy thing with nelson Aguilar because Deshaun Jackson's not a true X, right? If they, if somebody came available of D Jackson's caliber, that was a true X receiver on the outside. I'd be really interested in that kind of move, but to me, he's a Z or he's a player that's going to play condensed to the formation more than he's going to play truly out on the boundary and be a factor outside the numbers as a deep threat. So in that respect, it, it sounds a ton like his skill set sounds a ton like Nelson Aguilar's skill set. And you're not going right. to have two players on the team in that same mold unless the Patriots were to go out and really upgrade that spot. And I think D-Jax is a marginal upgrade at best over Nelson Aguilar. If he was somebody that was clearly uh, head and shoulders better than, than Aguilar was, then I think we're having a different conversation and you say – You take the better player if you can. But in terms of looking at him as a marginal upgrade that basically plays the exact same role in the offense, you're not going to have both of those guys out there too much at the same time. So it seems a little bit like a redundancy to have D-Jax here in the mix. Now, the other question is, we've heard all the rumors coming out of Cleveland. Odell Beckham Jr. has been an excused absence From practice the last two days his agent and the Browns have had conversations about how the two sides move forward a lot of the reports out there today were that there was going to be some sort of resolution to keep OBJ in Cleveland because the Browns feel they're a better team with Odell for obvious reasons plus they're not going to get any compensation for him if they just release him so it feels like He's worth more just as a trade chip in terms of value than just cutting him outright. But obviously, there's trouble uh, with Odell and Baker Mayfield. And in Cleveland, he's got his dad posting on social media the plays that Baker Mayfield missed and opened Odell Beckham Jr. We're probably both very much on the same wavelength here. Of if Odell becomes available, and the Patriots should be all over it. But the question is, is do we feel like Odell's even going to come available at this point?
1: Yeah, I don't think so. And I, you know, I wouldn't have traded for him. I think he's too much of an unknown right now. Not just the way he's behaving, but with that contract, with his injury situation. Right? I think it's under like three or four years. He's under contract. So, yeah, if he's a free agent, I mean, I think the perfect situation would be, and and as as you said the other day on Twitter, that he loves Bill and Bill loves him. So, I to yeah. me, the perfect situation if if he were to get cut is, hey, come here for for November and December and. You know, we'll get your, you know, we're going to get you involved. We'll get your value back up. And then, boom, he gets to hit the open market reset value in, in the spring and maybe comes back to New England. Maybe he doesn't. Uh, but, you know, his value is as low as it's ever been right now. If he were to hit the market right now, he's not going to get a ton of money, probably. So yeah. I think that's the most realistic option. Maybe they figure out a way to, to make it a multi-year thing. I know people have thrown the Randy Moss comp out there. It's a little bit different for me. I understand why, and not Randy Moss, the player, but like the situation, right, when Randy Moss was in Oakland and people thought he was cooked. People thought he was cooked. People thought he was done. The difference is Odell is playing for a good team and a, a good offensive mind, and that offense is built around him. The situation Randy Moss was in in Oakland was just a mess, like a complete mess. He was never going to succeed there. The situation in Cleveland is built for Odell Beckham to succeed right now. So that's, you know, a little bit of a red flag to me. Again, if he became a free agent, I I, I think he's a guy you bring in for the rest of the year, certainly. But the other side of this is the Browns have to get something for him, right? I It's almost more worth – what does it matter if they release him? They're, it's all dead cap money. They're not going to be able to yeah. do anything if they release him. All it is is a roster spot, so – there's nothing that benefits them getting rid of him now, as opposed to even if it is, you know, even if they can't salvage the relationship, you just tell them to stay home for the rest of the year. And then you trade him in the off season where you can actually get something for him. So I, I, you know, I think that's kind of what you have to do. I just don't think it's realistic at this point.
0: Yeah. It it feels like he's too much of an asset to just outright release him and lose him for nothing. The contract is not terrible if I remember correctly, because we've, been down this road a little bit with obj in the past especially when the giants were going to trade him and do the patriots get into that mix do they not they did make a call to the giants back then and they were at least aware of the trade market for obj but it didn't pull the trigger and when you look at the contract it is a difficult contract i would say to deal for a player that is still maybe needs to rejuvenate his stock a little bit and kind of rewrite the end of his career here uh, because he certainly hasn't had a great go of it in Cleveland it didn't end well with the Giants but at the same time he's such a talented player and he's somebody that I have no concerns about the Patriots getting in here and motivating I think a lot of people are talking about these guys that are drama queens and stuff like that I, I guess that's fair to a degree but i don't see odell let me put it to you this way uh, odell is not Rand, uh not antonio brown right he, he's nowhere close to being the type of nutcase that antonio brown was when right. he came here last year or two years ago excuse me with the patriots odell Please. is much more in that diva wide receiver category of like you mentioned to randy moss right somebody like that who who just is is the type of personality that he is But when he's going and he's involved and he's happy, he's as good of a wide receiver as there is in the NFL, even still right now. So I think it's definitely worth the risk. I think the Patriots would feel the same way. Now, getting creative with the salary structure and things like that is possible. They'd have maybe add void years onto the contract or make it a multi-year deal where there's really an out at the end of this year. So it's not truly a multi-year deal, but you structure it that way to spread out the cap hits and get them paid a little bit for the rest of the season. If he gets released by Cleveland, I 110% believe the Patriots will get on the phone and be interested in Odell. Will it end up being that they get Odell? I, I We obviously don't know. We can't go that far. But I 100% believe that the Patriots and Odell would be interested in Odell signing here. And you look at that clip, that he had in the Cam Newton special that he did over the off season with Cam. Um, who was the other player that was in that? Of course I'm blanking on it now, but there was a couple of guys that were
1: in that. It, Jar- it might've been Jarvis Landry.
0: It might've been Jarvis Landry. Um, anyways, he did the, he did the, the uh, special with Cam and he, and he was talking about how when he watches Cam play with the Patriots, he could see, Belichick and Josh McDaniels trying to adjust their system and trying to adapt their scheme to make Cam Newton the best possible quarterback and to help him succeed and he really liked that right he really liked that the coaches were putting Cam in as best possible position as they possibly could with the roster that they had last year so I think he thinks very highly of Bill Belichick and I think you would look at a quarterback like Mac Jones and say yeah he's a rookie but if I'm getting open down the field, I I don't think any receiver is going to look at what Mac's done so far this year and be concerned that he wouldn't be able to get him the football, right? I think that Mac right. would definitely be able to throw him the ball accurately and all that kind of stuff. Plus, when you look at Odell's skill set as somebody that can win at all three levels of the defense and win on some of the things that Mac Jones likes to throw, uh, he's definitely one of those guys when he's at his best that can take. a a three-step slant 80 yards to the house right that that's prime Odell can do stuff like that so it's not just he's not somebody that just needs to be throwing the ball down the field he's someone that can win at the short and intermediate levels too and then turn those into longer plays with yards after the catch so he's a really interesting player and, and somebody that I think really changes the equation and and sort of the schematics of the chessboard for the Patriots. If they can get a player of that caliber into this offense, I think everybody on the pecking order fits a lot better than what they did before that Uh, different from a guy like D Jackson and and no offense to G Jackson. I think is a good player too, but he doesn't completely change the deck, right? Odell comes in here and it feels like he would completely change the deck.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's two different conversations. It's not one or the other. It's, it's, do you want, to add a little bit of speed for the rest of the year or do you want to completely change the way your offense works
0: right right all right let's get into this game preview and talk about the panthers this game has some low-key juice uh there's a very 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 good defense down in carolina brewing right now phil snow their defensive coordinator has been with matt rule for years uh, he was with Matt Rule at Baylor, with Matt Rule at Temple, and now he's with Matt Rule with the Panthers. And he is somebody that Belichick talked about on Wednesday as a multiple defensive coach, meaning they are going to throw a ton of different fronts and personnel packages. At the Patriots, they have four or five different packages that they run and they cycle through from they play even fronts, they play odd fronts, they play four down dime, they play uh, four two, five nickel, big nickel, they play so many different packages based off of the situation, the personnel for the offense, the game plan. So there's a lot to worry about here. There's a ton of talent in that front seven. There are some vulnerabilities, I would say in the secondary, but this is one of those games where If you're Mac Jones and you're the Patriots offense, you cannot sit there and hang around, right? This has to be get the ball out, make quick decisions. If you sit there and wait for Brian birds and Hassan Reddick to come get you, they absolutely will.
1: Yeah. I mean, we, we've talked about how that, you know, this new offensive line group has really helped them reach another level offensively. And I think this week they're really going to be put to the test. In my, in my opinion, this is the best all-around pass rush. Yeah. The Patriots have faced so far. You know, I, I don't know that I like Reddick and Burns are good players. I don't know that either one of them is Joey Bosa individually, but Bosa doesn't have a player of either of their calibers on the other side. Right. This is you can you can get beat from both directions. So, you know, it's like you said, it's a test for Mac Jones to get the ball out quick, but let's see Isaiah Win and Michael Wynn too. Wynn struggled early on in the year and when who didn't start playing tackle till a couple weeks ago. This is a big, you know, I think there, there's a, re- like the offensive line narrative can change a lot in this game, I think. And if things go well, I think it's a major victory lap for those of us, me and you included, who were calling for this group of five arrangement basically since week two. I think this is yeah. when you could really see that change and that commitment to the best starting five pay off.
0: Yeah, I mean, We've been waiting for this. This has been the group that I think a lot of people have thought was their best starting five since like you said, Trent Brown got hurt in week two. And at this point, the fact I think it's one of two things. One, they they knew they had to start winning football games, right? So hanging right. around with Justin Haran and Yassir Durant and all these other guys that they had playing right tackle, that wasn't going to win them games. And if they were gonna turn the season around, they had to go to this best five combination but i think you can also read a little bit in between the lines here and look at the fact that the coaching staff doesn't feel great about trent brown's odds of returning this season because josh mcdaniels i asked him the question i said why Why? what took so long right why did you wait so long to make this switch and he went into an answer about how back in training camp mike on was practicing at left guard And they had him work almost exclusively at guard to get him ready for the season because he had played so much tackle in his rookie campaign. And then as the season progressed and the injuries happened, they started to rep him more and more and more back at right tackle. And now they finally feel comfortable that he has enough practice reps at right tackle. So they had to have known behind closed doors that Trent Brown was not coming back anytime soon for a while. Because now they finally right. had. It. Not only were did they make this move in game, but they also were uh, preparing for it behind the scenes, right? And and getting him ready at practice as well uh, to play that right tackle spot. You mentioned and Redick, uh, Burns and Reddick. Burns uh, and Reddick, two guys that just watching them on tape this week, maybe the fastest sack guys in the league and just in terms of if you get the stopwatch out and you time how quickly they sack the quarterback sometimes yeah it's under two and a half seconds was i mean it, these guys are fired out of their stance it's in, their get off is incredible
1: yeah was it either john or smith or brandon Boldon? i forget who today one of them said that in terms of like speed team speed yeah the panthers might be the fastest defense in the league
0: yeah, we are back and better than ever, all eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back for another football season. As always, Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Online continues to be the number one source For everything football head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your bonus from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports bet online where the game starts so there's a stat that actually backs that up and that is the panthers again screen passes this year get this against screen passes the panthers defense is giving up 3.7 yards per attempt and if there is any
1: somebody tell josh mcdaniels
0: right If there's any scheme that screams speed on defense, it's got to be a screen, right? Because it's a play that the D line gets sucked in. The second and third levels have to swarm to the football. There's going to be some space because of the scheme and the way that it's designed and you have to close it down. The fact that they're giving up 3.7 yards per pass attempt on screens tells me that this defense can absolutely fly. So you have Reddick and Burns on the edges but I think as important as those two guys are to block, and I think that they're going to throw a lot at those two guys. They mentioned how much they chip Bosa and some of the availability that we had today with Brandon Bolden and with uh, Damian Harris. I'm assuming that Reddick and and Burns will see similar plans, right? Where they're chipping those guys a lot coming out of the backfield or the tight ends going into the route, and they're chipping, but. Derek Brown in the middle of the defense is also a problem. And he's somebody that when you start to think about the game plan where we've seen for 20 years here with Brady, that you can mitigate edge pressure by stepping up in the pocket and having a quick release, right? You can get those guys to run by you consistently by doing those types of things. But in order for Mac Jones to set short in the pocket and and not, get himself into trouble by going on uh, seven step drops or long drops and things like that he's gonna have to have room to step up in the pocket and derrick brown is a physical dude he's big he's strong he's 320 pounds one of the strongest in terms of just pure playing strength defensive tackles in the nfl he's somebody that in a lot of ways to me is kind of like the underrated under the radar matchup in this game. Cause if the Patriots and Mac Jones are going to have any chance to step up in the pocket and get those guys to go around the edges and just fly by Mac Jones, they're going to have to keep Brown at bay and not allow him to push the pocket.
1: Yeah. I remember when he came out and he was really good at Auburn. He, he had like two pick sixes or something he had some bizarre stat for yeah, defensive he's at Auburn.
0: he was amazing in
1: Auburn yeah. he was like you know how there's that one guy every year it's like well if, if the Patriots do trade up like there's always one guy that we pick is like if they trade up like he was the trade-up guy in 2020 I remember that and he would he have been a not that nothing against Christian Barmore love having Christian Barmore
0: right
1: boy would Derek Brown have been a fit in this defense yeah, yeah I, I think he's somebody you absolutely have to keep tabs on you know the way the way i look at the panthers defense i think they're really strong at the first level obviously with those three i think they have some strengths in the secondary so you got to find ways to attack that middle level and go after that middle level they, they have some de- like i like shack thompson they got some good yeah, linebackers Shaq Thompson's but he's an aggressive
0: player he can fly around too but but like you said yeah. he's
1: aggressive he's a guy you know you can c- take advantage of in the right situation like luke keekley's not there anymore right i think if there's a level of this defense you're going to take advantage of it's the second level but Um, the other thing, if you, you want to move on real quick here, the other thing about the Panthers defense, I wonder is what is Stefan Gilmore's role in this whole game? And when I, I say that, you know, Matt rule told us today, he'll probably just play third downs. I actually kind of believe that. I know some people are saying he's covering, um, I Gilmore, he clearly had a pretty serious injury. He's still working his way back. I wonder if the Patriots go with some hurry up when Gilmore's off the field to force the Panthers to keep him off the field the thing i really wonder about is we heard all summer and into the fall about how valuable Steph Gilmore was in the film room in working with these players right remember they were calling him coach Steph well yeah. now you take Stephon Gilmore he's on the other side he's got an intimate knowledge of the opponent not only maybe is he helping out that Panthers defense But also, is he in the offensive meetings? Is he going over things with Sam Darnold and P.J. Walker? Hey, this is what they're going to do defensively. Like, this is just a really smart football player and clearly a guy who's a great teacher. Is his biggest impact being made during the week? Is his his impact something where, you know, he might not be on the field and we're still going to feel it because what kind of, you know, how is he helping the coaching staff and the players prepare for this game? I look at him as almost another coach in this game.
0: Yeah, so I think the big thing that I, I saw when I was watching them this week was I can totally, after watching their tape, I can totally 100% understand why they were even interested in bringing in another corner, especially a guy out of the caliber, Stephon Gilmore. Dante Jackson's a good player. Uh, he's somebody that's that's pretty, been pretty solid for them, and he's a team captain now, and he's a pretty good player. But their cornerback depth behind that is really, really suspect, and they were having a lot of trouble – covering number 2 number 3 receivers right the number one guy was giving them problems cuz Jackson was not it was Miller playing sides and stuff like that but he's a guy that I think can go ahead and and lock people down when they absolutely needed to but they were relying a lot on Keith Taylor uh AJ Bouye uh Rashan Melvin you know just guys that were getting picked on and I I watched a lot of their games I didn't watch much of that Atlanta offense last week because they lost Calvin Ridley an hour before inactives were announced and that he was in the game plan and they were clearly not prepared to not have Calvin Ridley in that game, but teams like the Giants Dallas who had some success against this Panthers defense. Attacking a lot of that depth in the secondary with quick in breaking routes to mitigate the pass rush, slants, digs, angle routes, unders, you know, things over the middle of the field quickly against outside leverage defenders. They had a lot of trouble covering. And, and this is a team that I think is not as good in the back end as they are in the front end but the front end is so good that it marries up to the back end right so they they were a guy like a stefan gilmore away from really being an elite defense i totally understand why they went out and got him but like you said matt rule uh said today that he's going to be a third down player that's what he was for them last week i actually fully believe he's going to be a third down player as well i I don't know if he's going to be ready to be an every down player yet in this game as much as he might want to be to to play against his old team and plus if Stefan Gilmore is out there and they're playing man-to-man against the Patriots then who's he taking Nelson Aguilar I, I guess so you just don't you don't throw the ball to Aguilar unless he's you know unless he beats Gilmore and gets pretty open right I I don't think the Patriots are going to lose any sleep because they can't throw the ball to whoever Gilmore is covering. If if he is shut down all pro Stefan Gilmore. So to me, this is, this game is all about the pass rush. It's all about game planning around the pass rush and making sure that you understand how to schematically get the ball out quickly and, and make sure you don't let the defensive front take over the game. If there's one unit in this game that can take it over and win this game for Carolina. It's obviously their pass rush. So you just have to make sure that you don't let them do that as a run you could run it, right? They're not as good against the run. Uh, They're a fast, aggressive athletic team, but they're not necessarily a beefy defense. Uh, Reddick, Burns. Those guys are finesse guys, right? Those guys are speed rushers. They're not exactly uh, Matt Judon at 265 pounds playing out on the edge. So you could run it down their throats. I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots came out in some of their heavy groupings and tried to run the ball early, but eventually you'll get into your drop back passing game and you're going to have to spread it and get it out quickly. But if I had to guess what the opening script is for Josh McDaniels, I think they go pretty heavy and try to run the football against what is a relatively lighter defense. They have some big guys in the middle, like Daquan Jones and Brown and uh, uh, Morgan Fox and some of those bigger players. But, Burns, Reddick, Thompson, those guys are not, they're fast. They're not necessarily physical big dudes.
1: Well, the other thing I wonder too, you mentioned the bigger personnel. Is this a big week where you put Johnny Smith at the fullback? And so you're, you know, where you can be in 21 or 12. And again, like I talked about, if Gilmore's not on the field on early downs, you can use Johnny Smith as a fullback early on, power, run the ball. And then when you get into third downs, you still have a grouping where you can spread it out so you can no huddle or at least not substitute, don't give Carolina a chance to substitute. You keep Stephon Gilmore on the sideline, but here you go. Because you have John Smith, you can spread it out for wide. And now you can use your whole third down passing attack without having to face Stefan Gilmore.
0: Yeah, it feels like this could be a game for some tempo. I, I think they're going to try to run the ball uh, just because they're going to look at it from a mass standpoint. And What I mean by that is they got bigger dudes on offense than the Carolina Panthers have on defense, right? And there is some element of this that I think that they can just, especially if they run it away from Brown and Daquan Jones in the middle of the defense and try to get it out on the edge, I think they're going to have some opportunities to run the football in this game against Carolina. And then you integrate some play action, some uh, short passes, quick throws, get the ball out, all those types of things. And you could... Probably you you can score against this defense. It's not it's a good defense. It's eighth in the league in DVOA. They have an amazing pass rush. They're fourth in the league in pressure rate. Fourth in sacks. Both those guys, Burns and Reddick, can really get after it. Uh, But I think there are a lot of ways that this matchup is not terrible for the Patriots if they do go with some Jakob Johnson or like you said, two tight ends, put some bigger personnel on the field and try to be the more physical team. I, I think that there is that option there against this Carolina defense let's yeah. move over uh to yep. the Panthers offense and now the exciting part for the show begins for Alex Barth because your boy PJ Walker is gonna have a chance to start in this game it sounds like Alex uh Sam Darnold uh Mike already reported earlier today that the right shoulder injury is just as much a problem as the concussion is for Sam Darnold so
1: I mean he got rocked. I mean, you saw that hit last week right oh he yeah got, he yeah
0: yeah, very limited by uh, both injuries, it sounds like, through the first two days of practice for the Panthers. P.J. Walker has been taking first-team reps, been preparing as the starter all week long. So it sounds like it's going to be P.J. And the first thing that I'll say, and then we, we do have some plays in, in the vault for P.J. Walker, but the first thing I'm going to say is you can't let P.J. Walker – Mobility and athleticism take you by surprise, and not that they weren't aren't going to coach it and they're not going to game plan for it and all that kind of stuff. But we have seen in the past that even when they coach it and even when they game plan for it, guys like Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, Cam back in his Carolina days, those players have given this defense and this system some issues because of their speed and their athleticism and their ability not only to extend plays, but it wouldn't surprise me if in that opening script by Joe Brady, if PJ Walker is the starter, that there are some triple option type of plays or some gadget type of design quarterback run elements, right? Whether it's a a read option or a triple option or some sort of scheme designed around PJ Walker's ability to run the football, because the Patriots, let's face it, have had some problems with those types of players before, especially if the offense can get into a grouping and get the Patriots to put their big linebackers on the field, and you got Jawan Bentley out there, and Dante Hightower, and Kyle Van Noy, and then you start to run these different misdirection, option type of style schemes. That's how I think you get beat by P.J. Walker, is if you let him run around. That, that, that's the way you, you lose this game on Sunday.
1: Yeah, you know, here's what I'll say about it, and then we'll kind of get into some examples of what he can do, but I would rather face Sam Darnold if on the Patriots this week than P.J. Walker. On, you know, when you look at kind of what Darnold brings to the table right now, he's been concussed all week. He hasn't practiced. He has an injury to his throwing shoulder. So who knows even mechanically what he's going to be able to do. And then on top of all of that, you've owned this guy. You've beat him like a drum his entire career. Yeah. I believe I, I meant to check. This before beat him came out on. Of New York. Right?
0: I mean, he's probably not.
1: The was, Jet anymore. was the last game the Patriots faced him? Was that the seeing ghost game?
0: it might have been cuz he didn't play at all last year against them right because he they, it was Luke Falk right it was Luke Falk
1: and then Flacco. Flacco so was that the second time they played the Jets one of the last times yeah. he faced him was the scene. Go- like they I think they might have
0: played him one more time at the end of 2019 you might
1: be right but it, they, they, he didn't see ghost but he didn't play particularly the point is they they have owned this guy yeah he's wounded you know you got a wounded opponent his throwing shoulder's hurt he hasn't practiced all week and then on the other side you have PJ Walker who you know isn't the conventional quarterback, but he can make plays. He can make plays, and if you're not careful, he will beat you. And, you know, this is a really lofty comparison, and I need you to kind of not, you know, just just listen to what I'm saying. I think back to that, the Patriots game last year against Houston and what Deshaun Watson did to them. And obviously, P.J. Walker is not Deshaun Watson, obviously. But a lot of what Watson did that gave them fits, Walker can do. He can't necessarily do it as consistently, but he can do it. He is a menace when it comes to extending plays. They yeah. they had so much trouble with that last year. There were other examples, but the Houston game stands out. I They have had trouble with guys like that. Give me the guy you know and the guy who's hurt over the guy with the upside that Walker has. I would much rather face Sam Darnold. And let's let's show the people why here. Let's, let's sure. show them some of what PJ Walker can
0: do. Yeah, so th- this is a play from the preseason. I, we're going to get into some XFL stuff to, in a second, but here's the preseason play, and you just can see – the mobility, and not just the fact that he can run around, but watch how explosive his movements are as a runner, right? This is a guy right. that is an explosive ball carrier. He's quick, he's fast, he gets up to uh, speed fast, but he's really, really quick as well with the ball in his hands. And then watch this arm talent. Like He's got plenty and plenty of velocity and arm talent. Of course, this is going to have sound on it, but that's okay. All right, All right I can turn it down.
1: You can, Yeah, you can mute it.
0: Okay, so... I, it's just you know it's it's well covered right initially the Colts have fine coverage but just watch the quickness and the ability to get out of the pocket and then watch his throw I mean are like that is right serious close armor. line and that is, and you look at that ability to scramble out of the pocket like this and then throw the ball on a line I mean that's difficult to defend if you're if you are not disciplined like that Colts rusher wasn't that went flailing after him and fell all over himself if you're not disciplined and you're not aware of your containment in the pocket and keeping your integrity in terms of keeping that pocket closed off to him he is somebody that can absolutely murder you with your with his legs and then be able to get out on the move and then he's probably more dangerous on the move throwing the football than he is just throwing the football from the pocket
1: Right. That's probably, and and we'll show it here in some of these clips, his best trade is his ability to throw on the run. He doesn't lose. Like, you know, we, we talk about quarterbacks, setting their feet. Some guys lose a ton, right? If they don't get a chance to set their feet, if they're fading back or if they're moving, it changes who they are as a passer. The best part of PJ Walker's game in my mind is even if he's running full speed off shoulder, he's going to be just as accurate as he is with his feet set in the pocket. And that's not to say he's like a pinpoint perfect, accurate pocket quarterback, but you're not, you know, if you're, if you're last week, right, we talked about getting Justin Herbert off his base and happy feet and how that was going to throw him off. That's not going to throw P.J. Walker off. Like, watch watch this clip here.
0: Yeah, um, and, and you know, I also just want to point out another thing about that first play, and then we'll get on to this yeah. one, second one. The release, how quick his release is, right? This guy can really get rid of the ball in a hurry, and he's yeah. got so much arm talent that he can, he has that Mahomes flick of the wrist ability, right? Oh, yeah. Where where he's on the move and he's not setting his feet, and he can just flick it, and you can just go from there. So here, here's the second play. This is this is from his XFL days, right? He's XFL MVP is that is that correct?
1: He, yeah, I mean, he, the fat like they never officially named one because COVID yeah. shut the season down. But he, he was it was either going to be him or Cam Phillips who was his top receiver. So
0: yeah, so here here's the mobility and and now not only is the mobility present here is this ability to extend the play. This is a rolling to his left throw, right? right. This is the other throw that we showed was rolling to his arm side. Watch the arm than- angle here. Yeah.
1: Where he lets this ball go.
0: Yeah. And he's just able to just flick it out there. What, you know, 40, 50 yards down the
1: field. Puts it right on him.
0: Yeah. And you just think about these types of plays. And I got to be honest, you add into that, that if Joe Brady has the ability and has the time to put in some elements of this offense. And we, I just, you know, mentioned it earlier, things that, Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson have done against the Patriots in the past with some of that triple option stuff where you put multiple tight ends on the field and you have one guy going this way and another guy going that way then the quarterback has the option of throwing or running or doing those types of things and you get those big linebackers in New England in space against these guys that can move and that can run that's given the Patriots a lot of problems so if they can put some of those plays and install some of those plays in this week into the game plan and into that opening script, that might give the Patriots some problems early. Then maybe you get a touchdown drive out of that early. And then if you can play playground football a couple of times, that's how you get the Patriots into trouble in this game.
1: And by the way, somebody asked if, if Walker's so good, and we're talking him up a lot, like if Walker's so good, why Sam Darnold a starter? That's a good question.
0: Yeah. There, there, there was starter because he was a former first round pick and they traded a bunch to get him
1: there but there were there were conversations at the end of the preseason that that he he didn't let me put it it wasn't a lock i i think by the end of the preseason it wasn't a lock darnold was going to start like like you said i think they paid that price for him and they had to start him but if you go back and you look at what they did in camp and what they did in the preseason walker did just as much to win that job as darnold did i yeah. you know i i don't know that he's a franchise quarterback because it, you know he's not super accurate from the pocket but he's, you know, he, he's a solid bridge guy. If you needed a bridge quarterback, if you needed a guy to start for a year or, you know, you lost your quarterback early in the season, you have a good roster. You still want to try to be competitive. Like PJ Walker's a real NFL quarterback. He is. And Darnold might be at least a starting quarterback. Like I, I, I think he can be, I, I, Sam Darnold might be on his way out of that conversation. PJ Walker can play.
0: Yeah. So it's going to be a nearly interesting week of defending PJ Walker. And I look at some of the game plans that the Patriots have had in the past Um, against some of these mobile quarterbacks and it seemed like when they played kyler and they played lamar last year that bill belichick finally found a formula that worked against those types of guys where he put kyle duggar and adrian phillips out on the edges as overhang players to kind of force the run back inside and force the quarterback back inside plus you get put those guys out there instead of some of the bigger linebackers that the patriots have and those guys are obviously more athletic to. Bring those guys down and contain a guy like PJ Walker. So, if the question is, I guess, is how much do the Patriots, how much do the Patriots actually fear a guy like PJ Walker? And do they have, do they feel like they need to go full game plan mode against him like they did last year with Lamar and with Kyler? Because if they come out with that sort of same formation where they had the overhangs and it was Duggar on one side and usually Phillips or somebody that's athletic like a Winovich or maybe this time it's Josh Uche and they put those guys out on the edge and force those runners back inside and, and use that same blueprint to stop a guy like PJ Walker, I think that they'll have plenty of success and this won't be a problem. But if they let them run around like they have allowed some other guys run around in the past,
1: then that's going to be a long, long day. So, And let's not forget, like, the Panthers, as much as they've struggled throwing the football this year, and they have, they're 28th in passing yards, they still have receivers that can beat you. Like, if given the opportunity, and and I, I don't know if you want to move on to this part of the conversation here, Evan, but, you know, the Patriots are down two of their three top corners in yeah. Jonathan Jones and J.C. Jackson. It's a yeah. patchwork secondary, and D.J. Moore is a very good player. I might be the last Robbie Anderson fan left, but I still believe Robbie Anderson can play.
0: Apparently, Bill's pretty high on Robbie Anderson, too, because they were going after him and uh, Aguilar, where they They kind of were talking to both guys, it sounded like. Similar style of player, right? So you can understand why they, if they didn't get Aguilar, maybe Aguilar is their first choice and Robbie was their second choice or vice versa.
1: Like, but so you have those two guys who are both, you know, potential home run threat wide receivers. Ian Thomas isn't bad. And then you might have McCaffrey. So, you know, the reason the Jets, or sorry, not the Jets, because it's Darnold and Anderson. The reason the Panthers have struggled to throw the ball this year is not a lack of weapons. It's because their quarterback play hasn't, hasn't been good. Darnold hasn't been good. He's thrown more picks and touchdowns. Yeah. If you suddenly let that quarterback, if Walker's able to do what he wants to do and you suddenly allow that quarterback to freedom to operate, he has the weapons to beat you. So that's why, again, like just give me Sam Darnold because he's not going to be able to do it. He's not going to be able to maximize on those weapons right now. PJ Walker might, I don't know, like for sure that he's going to, but he might. Darnold with a bad shoulder. No shot. You, you run all over Darnold with a bad shoulder. Walker might get you. He's just, you know, he's just explosive enough that he
0: might get you. So the good news, I think for many reasons, first of all, we're talking to PJ Walker a lot, right? I think he's a talented player as well, but he's only started one game in the NFL. This will be his second career start. And the first one, they won the football game. They beat New Orleans last year with P.J. Walker as the quarterback. But it – I think it was New Orleans. Uh, but that was his only start in the NFL. He's going up against Bill Belichick, right? And the way to beat him is obviously to contain him in the pocket and force him to be a pocket passer and beat you with the traditional drop-back passing game. And if they can get into that, uh, some of the zone stuff that they've done over the last couple of weeks – I think is probably going to be what they continue to do moving forward because not only does it fit their personnel the best from what they have because they're not – look, you look at this Panthers offense – and you were just talking about Moore and, uh, and Robbie Anderson. Even with J.C. Jackson, I don't feel great about playing man-to-man coverage against that team, right? Yeah. And those are two really good guys to cover, and, and it's going to be tough to cover them both. And then you also, assuming it is Walker, you get into the problem of turning your back to the quarterback, right? And now all of a sudden you have to play. If you're going to play man against a guy like P.J. Walker, then you have to have a spy, And if you have a spy, that's obviously pulling another guy out of coverage. So this is how – this is why in the past the Patriots have gone to more zone looks against these mobile quarterbacks. But now it feels like they have a nice rhythm with playing more zone from last week and from the last couple of weeks that they've played a little bit more zone dating back to that Dallas game. Dallas, Jets, even uh, last week against the Chargers, a ton more zone. So they have a little bit better – Feel for that zone and i think that uh that that's going to be something that we're going to see a ton of regardless of who is under center but especially if it's pj walker they're gonna they're not going to want everybody's worried about their man 40 yards down the field and then they have a spy uh one guy spying pj in the middle of the field right i mean that's going to be a a long day for them as well because he's going to run right by that dude right I mean, oh yeah he's he's not gonna have any trouble with that so i think this is a big zone week once again um as someone mentioned in the chat it is not a foregone conclusion that jc jackson is going to miss this game he's been out the last two days with an illness but the patriots have been a little bit different in this regard this year in terms of guys not practicing and then playing in the games and if he's truly just dealing with an illness then you would think that he's probably st- still in game plan meetings and things like that, whether it's virtual or not. So there is a chance that JC could still play. Uh, usually. So Devon Godshaw played right with that finger injury after right. not practicing and Isaiah Wynn played a- after he came off COVID. The Wynn situation felt more like an emergency, like they yeah. were getting killed at left tackle and they had to put him in the game. The Godshaw thing He played a very situational role. I think he was just in their fourth down, third down, short yardage goal line package. I don't think that he was in uh, on any other real situations out there. So maybe they could get J.C. into a package or two. Right. And so that he could be uh, at least involved. Maybe he's a third down player on sunday or something like that but it's not a foregone conclusion that they won't play that they won't have jackson but even if they don't even if they do have jackson still feels like a zone day it still feels like a lot more zone muddy it up drop seven into coverage spin the dial confuse pj walker in the pocket and if he does take off then you have eyes on the quarterback to take to take him down in the open field
1: yeah one more thing too from the chat this is a good comment You know who Darnold is, and you take the known over the unknown, and this is the part I like. We've seen how guys like unknowns, like Walker, sneak up on Belichick, i.e. Davis Mills. I could absolutely see a Dave, like P.J. Walker having like a Davis Mills kind of game if he played. I I could absolutely see that. That that makes a ton of sense. Darnold's not going to do that. Walker could do it
0: especially if they play man to man against PJ Walker I- I- and DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson and I don't I don't believe McCaffrey's going to play in this game that seems a little bit lofty usually guys that are coming off IR don't get right back out there after only practicing it for a couple of days but that definitely makes things even worse <laughs> if if CMC's a go uh then this is all of a sudden a very um very very close game a very close yeah. game
1: I, I think two with him. They've already had one. He already had one setback, right? Yeah. Remember, they initially didn't put him on IR because yeah. they thought he was only like going to miss
0: round situation. Yeah, right.
1: They thought he was only going to miss two weeks, and then he had a setback right before he was supposed to come back. The other thing is, if you look at their schedule after the Patriots, they have the Cardinals, and they have Washington. You know, WFT after that, and. At least that first game, I didn't realize WFT was two and six. I thought they were a little better than that. Cardinals, you know, with the Rams adding, that could be a potential wild card team. Arizona could potentially be a wild card team, and Carolina's fighting for that wild card spot. Like that's a huge game for them. That's a huge game. Every game's a huge game when you're when you're at five hundred. But you know, this is AFC versus NFC. It's that Cardinals game means a lot. I I think it's more worth it to them to not take that risk and have McCaffrey fresh for Arizona.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh. What about the running backs going back to the Patriots offense for a second? Is this a game that we see Ramondre Stevenson and JJ Taylor active? Are we ever going to see Ramondre Stevenson and JJ Taylor active? I I don't really care so much about this, but a lot of people ask me this question. Like when I do the mailbags and stuff like that of, are we ever going to see all four running backs active for one game? I don't know if it really means anything one way or another, if, if we do or don't, but
1: Yeah, I just don't think so. I think the real question, we got to ask ourselves week to week, is it a J.J. Taylor week or is it a Ramondre Stevenson week? Right. Uh, I I think it's Stevenson again. You know, I think part of the reason he was active last week, you talked about how much they wanted to chip and how much they ended up chipping Joey Bosa. Stevenson's just better at that. So, again, with this good pass rush, you know, and and they're so big up front, like you mentioned with Derek Brown, to me, this is is a, a Ramondre Stevenson week.
0: It is. And if you look at this, just talking about this Panthers offense, it's uh, it's interesting because with P.J. Walker in there, it feels a little bit different because he can move around so well. So maybe he can mitigate some of the pressure that is given up by the offensive line. But this is not a good Carolina offensive line. And you look at some of these matchups that the Patriots are going to have judon on the left tackle cam irving uh, taylor morton's a really good player at right tackle he's one of the better right tackles in the nfl but he's pretty much the only guy that's playing an above average level right now for this line uh christian Barmore, you take your pick of any of the three interior guys he's gonna be able to rush on all three of them especially at, at right guard and center pat elfline's an okay player so so maybe he's somebody well, he,
1: that- he popped up on the injury report today
0: Oh, well, there you go. So this four-fifths of this offensive line for Carolina are really beatable guys, right? Those guys are are really struggling in pass protection in particular, but they are a team that runs the ball a lot more than what I think people were expecting when they hired Joe Brady, Uh, and they run it and pass it a lot more from under center. I I don't know if they'll be like that with P.J. Walker in the game just because of his skill set, but when you when they hired Brady I mean you remember at LSU with Joe Burrow Alex he was he was the spread empty guy right right I mean they ran it more empty at LSU with Burrow uh, than any team in college football and they really don't run empty a whole lot even with Sam Darnold so that they're more of a uh, bigger personnel groupings under center uh, a lot more than what I think people anticipated and they get into some of the spread stuff once they have to based off of the down and distance, but a much different when I, when I was studying them this week, a much different Joe Brady offense than what I was expecting. I, I thought that we were just going to see a carbon copy, basically what's going on at LSU or what he was doing at LSU. Now it, it Belichick mentioned the saints and Sean Payton and what they do with their offense definitely feels a little bit more New Orleansy than it does LSU.
1: Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I think that's what makes, Guys like Matt Ruhle and Joe Brady, good coaches. And and we've kind of talked about this in the bigger picture. I think there's a lot of coaches in the league who have their scheme and they stand by it, but they're, you know, they're not willing to deviate from it when they need to deviate from it, whether that's due to roster changes or injury or just, you know, opponent strengths and weaknesses. A lot of these coaches, especially the analytics guys, they're ride or die with what they have. Yeah. And I think what, what, what separates a great coach from a good coach is as good as you believe that your scheme is, it's not, you know, it's not a universal key. It's not a Swiss army knife. You need to adjust week to week in the NFL. And I think the truly, the, you know, the truly great coaches in this league can do that. And we've seen rule do that and we've seen Joe Brady do that. And that's why I like, I like that group a lot better than I like a guy like Stefanski or a guy like Lafleur or a guy like Shanahan, because they just, you know, what they have works if the, and it works really well, if the conditions are right, but the conditions aren't always right. Yeah, we've we've seen, you know, Brady and in and, and rule adapt. And that's why I liked the Panthers coming into this season. Obviously, you know, there's only so much adapting you can do when you lose a player like Christian McCaffrey. Right. right. And three, and zero with him, one and four without him. It speaks for himself. But I, you know, you, you talk about kind of being surprised about that. And I'm not because even with Burrow at LSU, I mean, they adapted. They still threw the ball a ton, but they never threw the ball the same like. You wouldn't see two games where they're where they're really using the same carbon copy strategy. You see that even more in college, than you do in the NFL. Uh, Joe Brady's not somebody who's afraid to deviate from what he knows if it's going to help him win a football game. And you know, we talk about Bill being the ultimate game plan coach, and I think that's a huge reason for success. I think that gets undersold all the time that you know how much of a game plan coach Bill Belichick truly is. Maybe the purest example of a game plan coach the league's ever seen. Um, and they, they're facing another game plan team this week.
0: Yeah, Matt Merrill's Matt been pretty impressive. I mean, the record hasn't necessarily followed him yet, but he hasn't really had the quarterback. But I 100% agree with you that he feels like the type of guy that is adjusting and adapting to his personnel. And, and the one thing that you mentioned, you know, missing a guy like McCaffrey, not, the record speaks for itself, but also their passing game production has absolutely gone in the tank since Christian right. McCaffrey got hurt. And if you watch their first couple of weeks with McCaffrey on the field, it's not just him catching the football out of the backfield. It's also the gravity of Christian McCaffrey being on the field. There's so many instances that I could pull up from the first two weeks where two or three guys converge to Christian McCaffrey and it leaves somebody else open down the field or it leaves DJ Moore one-on-one with space or it leaves Robbie Anderson on a vertical because everybody's so keyed on CMC. And once you take that out of your offense, now defenses are applying resources to Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore and they're coming after Sam Darnold because they don't have to worry about the back out of the backfield and the running game has pretty much stayed steady without McCaffrey they're exactly the same running team with with McCaffrey as they have been without but their passing numbers have absolutely gone into the tank since McCaffrey uh, left the the lineup because of that injury it's kind of weird uh, they have averaged Four point one rushing yards per attempt with McCaffrey and four point one rushing yards per attempt without McCaffrey. Chuba Hubbard's giving them the exact same production. But in the passing game, there is a complete difference in their production in that side of things.
1: Well, I mean, you remember me during the draft. That was a big Chuba. I'm still a big Chuba guy. I like him. I think he's a good player. But yeah, it's like, you know, when Rob Gronkowski used to get hurt and and the casuals would be like all right you know Julian Edelman's going to put up numbers now and and he would get you know Edelman it would be tougher for him because you just you draw that coverage and that you know that's what it is. and yeah the running thing's interesting but McCaffrey's ultimately a weapon in the passing game so it makes sense that that suffered more
0: we talk about you and I argue about running backs mattering all the time right you you definitely right. call more and the running backs matter and I I think running backs are interchangeable The reason why a lot of people think running backs are interchangeable is because Chuba Hubbard can average the same yards per carry as Christian McCaffrey. But the difference between a guy like McCaffrey and and somebody like maybe like a Derrick Henry is that McCaffrey adds so much in the passing game. I knew. Yeah, Derrick
1: Derrick Henry matters, though, for a different reason. But Derrick Henry matters. We're we're going to find out. Derrick Henry matters. matters.
0: He, mar- he matters. He matters because of yards after contact, right? right. But I'm right. really fascinated to see, and this is going to be a great, great. You, we we did the math and the nerds last week, right? Well, we can do it again yeah. this week to wrap up the show. But the Titans without McCaff or without uh, Derrick Henry and with Adrian Peterson there instead of Derrick Henry over the next month or two, going to be really, really interesting to see how their offense produces, right? I'm not saying that Adrian Peterson is going to run for 2,000 yards like Derrick Henry can. Right. But it'd be really, really interesting to see because so much of the value that Christian McCaffrey brings to the, the to the game is as a receiver and not only catching it, but also just being out there and teams having a game plan for him as a pass catcher. Same thing what could be said about a guy like Alvin Kamara or, or yeah. Aaron Jones or some of these other guys that can catch the ball. Saquon Henry's not that type of guy. Right. Henry is your true old school downhill 2000 yard rusher type of dude right rushing king let's see if the nerds are right if the nerds are right alex adrian Peterson. if the nerds are right adrian Peterson will produce at a similar level as derrick henry
1: so i think that offense can produce at a similar level because they have aj like let's not forget that they have aj brown and julio jones i mean yeah you know that that to me is the question is can the passing game has been slow to get started after they make that big addition. Can the passing game make up for what the running game is losing? Because I, I look, I love Adrian Peterson. I do. Uh, I actually think he's going to do. Okay. He's not going to rate Derek Henry, his yards after cut, con- like his yeah, just it's, his it's yards true. after contact. The only guy that's in the same stratosphere is Nick Chubb. He's really good. At I, I I wouldn't track. even put Nick Chubb there. Derek Henry to me. And I say this, with I say a lot of things on the show with hyperbole. I say this without hyperbole. Derrick Henry to me is if Rob Gronkowski played running back. That's what he is. Yeah. Derek, Derrick Henry's yards after contact alone would be the second leading rusher in the NFL behind Derek, like Derrick Henry number one. All I'm Derrick is, Henry yards look, after contact two.
0: I know it's just, it just one game, right? Uh, but what did Dearnus Johnson do a couple of weeks ago in Cleveland?
1: That's why I'm saying Chubb's not on the same level as, as, as Henry. We'll
0: see. Another, by the way, we'll
1: we already did XFL, AAF legend. What about, what, about when Tony, what about when
0: Tony Pollard goes in the game for Zeke, right? Still pretty good.
1: But Still, still pretty, pretty good, good. Not as good. Also, you're looking at it a little differently here because I, I, I think we overrated Ezekiel Elliott for a long time. Oh, That's was, what I would say about that. He was really that.
0: good. That rookie season, he was amazing. He
1: was. But let's yeah. all, not also forget, for the majority of his career, he's run behind the top three offensive line in the NFL. Like the offensive line dictates running back okay. success well, that, a ton.
0: Thank you. That's the point, right? That's why. Right, but, that's why a guy like AP can step in for Derrick Henry. But what I'm telling you is, a good offensive line and a good system, they're sure. going to run the football well.
1: I'm not saying, look, I'm I'm not saying that that running backs are solely responsible for their own success. But what I'm saying is, Derrick Henry, it's 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 different. Derrick Henry can generate his own success regardless of the offensive line. You can't. Tackle Patriots Derrick.
0: play the Patriots play the Titans was at week 12. Yeah, I think it is. And there's a chance that Derrick Henry might not play in that game, but at least we're going to have a sample size of what four games, I think right. it is, of Adrian Peterson in there for Derrick. I'm not saying that he's going to be as good as Derrick Henry, but I'm saying that it's actually, it's uh, yeah, three games that week 12, three games. Right after Thanksgiving is when the Patriots play the Titans. So, I'm not saying that it's going to be as good as Derrick Henry. I'm saying that you're not going to notice a huge discrepancy, just like you the Panthers haven't noticed a huge discrepancy
1: with Chobu Hubbard on the ground. So, so here's what I'd say: Derrick Henry, and I, I, I can't remember the exact number. I found the stat a long time ago, and I can't refine it. But when, when the NFL, and this is going to send you through the roof, but uh, this is for everybody else. When the NFL stats tackles, there's yes. two kinds of tackles. There's solo tackles and yes. combo tackles. Okay. The highest percentage of, of, you know, for any ball carrier, the highest percentage of combo tackles. So the guy who was hardest to tackle one-on-one last year was Derek Henry. And he was something like 15 points ahead of the next closest player. He's fantastic. Like, he just, that's, that's beyond the offensive line because the offensive line gets him the hole. But no other player – refuses to be brought down by the first person to come tackle them other than Derrick Henry. And that's where I go back to that combination. The only comparison I can think of for that was prime Rob Gronkowski because when Gronk was in his bag, right. When he was, what was it? Like 2013 when he had that massive season, right? 2011 was, 2011. Yeah. Did he like go back? Remember the play in Washington where he's carrying three guys yep. down the sideline? Like remember. the first person to Rob Gronkowski never made the tackle never. That's what Derrick Henry does. That Chubb doesn't do it. Elliott doesn't do it. Kamara doesn't do it. None of them do it. Derrick Henry, it's, it, it's on another level because the it's beyond the there's offensive there's line. There. All
0: right. Well, we'll see because, like I mentioned, looked up the numbers yesterday. Panthers with CMC, 4.1 yards but, per but, but attempt. But it's different. CMC, 4.1 yards per attempt. And he's definitely one of the top five backs in the NFL.
1: Yes, right? but it's different. Because you're bearing the lead there because McCaffrey's game changing ability is different than Henry's game changing ability. Sure. McCaffrey's game changing ability comes in the passing game. And Evan, are the Panthers having the same success in the passing game? No, that, that's what I'm exactly. saying. That's
0: right. Christian McCaffrey, ergo, Christian McCaffrey more valuable than Derrick Henry. That, that's but but
1: de- the numbers are going to be, it's apples and oranges. Derrick Henry, the <laughs> success is going to be different, but for a different reason. We'll see.
0: Week 12, right. we can revisit this conversation. I Don't will. Play- P.J. Walker beat you with his legs. Nope. New England Patriots, go out there, contain P.J. Walker. Don't let him take you by surprise. And the Patriots should come out with a win on Sunday against Carolina. And Alex and I can argue a little bit more next week about running backs mattering and not mattering. But it's it's fun uh, conversation to have. And I really thought the numbers looking at the Panthers with and without McCaffrey were super interesting to see where – it really had an impact on their offense and where it did not. Chuba Hubbard, solid back, but not not a top five back in the NFL, right? I mean, somebody that's definitely just another guy, somebody that can be replaced, somebody that can uh, be replicated. So, be very interesting to see how this game goes for the Patriots with against PJ Walker, uh, kind of an unknown, kind of a wild card. Certainly a quarterback with the skill set that has beaten the Patriots in the past, but uh, once again, I thought the Patriots. Figured it out a little bit last year against Kyler, against Lamar. Uh, they had some better matchups. Deshaun beat them from the pocket. I, I don't know if, uh, if P.J. Walker has the consistency uh, to stand in there and shred them like Deshaun did from the pocket. So it's going to be interesting to watch that game on Sunday and uh, see how the Patriots fare. It uh, The Patriots went and increased their playoff odds by almost – 20 percent by be- beating the chargers last week i'm sure it will go down a significant amount maybe not 20 percent, but pretty close if they don't beat the panthers on sunday right so all of that progress that they made against the chargers and by blowing out the jets goes by the wayside and uh the people are asking for a score prediction alex do you have do you have a prediction
1: uh i'm not gonna give a prediction i'm gonna give one other thing i just noticed here i was looking at the okay. schedule completely unrelated uh you know the patriots play after the panthers uh, they play the Browns. Would Cleveland wait to release Odell Beckham until after that game? Maybe. If they think there's a good chance he'd side in New England. If I'm them, I absolutely would. That's really interesting that that schedule works out like that. Because Cleveland's right there in the wild card race, too. These teams are directly competing for wild card spot. They have the same record right now. If I'm Cleveland and I know I have to get rid of Beckham and I even think there's a remote chance he's going to New England, I I wait to cut him until after I play the Patriots. It's just one week.
0: That so. that. That Cleveland game is going to be interesting too, because that's another you talk about teams one couple that, of weeks here. You talk about teams that can beat the Patriots in the trenches. The Patriots are pretty good in the trenches, but teams that can usually own the line of scrimmage that's often a time a way to beat a Bill Belichick team, right? If you can protect the quarterback and you can get after the Patriots quarterback. That usually is how the Patriots lose games more times than not. So that Cleveland team can do that. So it's going to be really interesting to see how the Patriots can fare in the trenches. But we'll talk about Cleveland next week. We'll also recap this game against the Carolina Panthers on Tuesday and maybe get into some things with these rumors, with these wide receivers uh, chumming around and Deshaun Jackson and see where he ends up going. But until next time, signing off for Alex Barth, I'm Evan Lazar. Thanks for watching, everybody.